Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode we are going to be talking about the brand new Netflix blockbuster Red Notice. Now this is the biggest film they've ever made. It cost about 200 million just for production alone. So marketing, well to be fair the marketing has been trashed. So I imagine they've spent about a tenner on marketing, 190 million on the cast and 10 million on the rest of the film because it doesn't feel like it cost that much. Some of it definitely feels like it has cost a lot, but other parts just feel rubbish. I don't know, not rubbish, but just cheap. Like really cheap. Now, this stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Now, three of the biggest names in Hollywood right now. I can genuinely imagine they got paid half the budget of this film because I don't understand where... 200 million has gone when watching it except for the fact that there is a ton of globetrotting stuff happening a lot of action sequences which are pretty good some great cgi some dodgy cgi but there is no denying that the biggest part of this film are the names the names attached to it because all this film feels like is a focus group has been asked what do you want to watch like who do you want in a movie imagine no limits on a movie just have whoever you want they don't even have to work well together, but just, who do you want? And people will say, screw it, we want Deadpool, we want Wonder Woman, and we want The Rock. And that's basically what they've made. So, is it good? It's not bad. Like I kind of enjoyed it, to be fair. It drags on too much, it's two hours, but it feels about four. It goes on for far too long. I did have to keep pausing it, because I just thought, what the hell is going on? Like, why... Why do I need motivation to keep watching this? It shouldn't feel like that. It should just be fun right from the start all the way through. And, you know, for some of it, there is. There's a lot of charm in it. There's a lot of good banter between the actors. And the script is... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's about as you'd expect. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, I love the guy. I think he's fantastic and he's hilarious. But it's just this year... Of all years, this year has been the one for me that's just kind of thinking he's literally not doing anything else other than playing Deadpool in every single thing. And sure enough, that works. You know, he's funny doing it. That's absolutely fine. But you look at the three movies he's had this year, Free Guy, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and now this, all three could be linked. All three, he's just playing exactly the same guy, doing exactly the same things, delivering lines exactly the same way. And I just feel like it's the easiest job ever for him to do because people just have to write a script knowing that Ryan Reynolds is going to say this line and it's instantly funny. And to be fair, I can criticise that. I can say I don't like that, but at the same time, I laugh. I still laugh, I don't know, seven times out of ten. There's a few times where I didn't laugh where it just got a bit tedious, but there are some cracking one-liners in this film. There are some really funny lines that I enjoyed. A lot of funny moments that don't massively feel like they've been done before, which is good. But then there are other moments when it just feels like I'm watching a completely different movie. So there's so many parts that do feel like a Jumanji film. There's so many parts that just feel like Deadpool or Six Underground, Ryan Reynolds' last film for Netflix. So I do feel like there's not a lot of differentiation between every single one of these actors' films. Except, except, except for Gal Gadot. Because... You know, after seeing Wonder Woman 1984, I was beginning to question how good she actually is as an actor. But I think she's fantastic in this. I think she's really funny. She's really good. And I really enjoyed seeing her in this film. And I think 
if they do a sequel, which I believe they are actually going to do a sequel because it's the most expensive movie, so of course they want to turn it into a franchise, I do think it'll be good to see what happens next for her character. I don't really care for The Rock and Ryan Reynolds because you can just watch any other film that they're in and get that satisfaction from seeing their performance. Whereas Gal Gadot, she's completely different in this compared to how she is in Wonder Woman. And I like that. I think it's great. She's showing that she's got range, which I appreciate. And the fact that she's going to play the evil queen in the new Snow White film. I'll admit I wasn't really interested in another adaptation of Snow White. Anyway, it's been done to death. We don't need to see it again. But to be fair, I kind of want to see how she is as the queen now. Because I think if she can defy expectations in this film, she can sure as hell defy expectations and play the evil queen very well in that film. So yeah, I'm excited for that. So yeah, with this film, I think the three leads work very well together. I mean, they're not all in it together that much because you know, obviously the plot revolves around how, in a nutshell, because this is a non-spoiler review, but you've got an art thief played by Ryan Reynolds, you've got a cop played by Dwayne Johnson, and Gal Gadot plays a con woman. So they're not all working together because it's more of The Rock and Ryan Reynolds teaming up to get something before Gal Gadot does. And so even though they're not fully together, it still works. And when they do actually come together and they have these interactions, it's quite entertaining because they're all extremely likeable stars. They're all extremely funny. Even though the script isn't great, it still does a good job of carrying it forwards because of how everything's delivered by the cast. So yeah, if you look at it on paper, the script won't be funny. But when you actually hear these actors saying it, that's what makes it funny. So I like it in that sense. But at the same time, it does feel like a one-trick pony kind of film where if you had it in any other situation with any other actor, it wouldn't work. Like It just would not work. So it's not going to win an Oscar. It's not going to win any awards in terms of writing, in terms of production, in terms of directing, because it's all just as you'd expect. It's pretty average. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's just, it's literally the most typical big budget action film you could see. Like I said, so many parts feel like Jumanji. There is nothing unique about the directing style here by Rawson Marshall Thurber, who yeah, what a well-known name. I mean, Jesus Christ. He's done Central Intelligence, which I really enjoyed. But it just feels like this film could have been directed by a robot. You know, there's nothing special about it. Half of it just felt like a Michael Bay film, to be fair. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I was kind of expecting something more. Because this is Netflix's biggest movie ever. You kind of want something wow. You know, you want something to be amazing and feel massive. But... It just didn't really feel that big at times. It just felt like they were spending all the money just hopping to different locations every two minutes. So it starts off in Rome. Five minutes later, it's in Bali. Then it's back to Rome. Then it's in London. Then it goes somewhere else. Then it's Argentina. I think they're in Spain at one point too. So it's just like, yeah, this is cool globetrotting and going to all these different locations. And sure, it looks nice. But at the same time, you just throw in money at this film like you're throwing shit at a wall hoping something's gonna stick and so it's not it's not great i mean look at something like six underground like for me that film is poorly made poorly directed poorly edited the performances aren't great the action is crazy it's too long 
but I bloody love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I genuinely think that's one of Netflix's best films ever. So Six Underground, go and watch that. It's just honestly terrific. It's one of the most fun experiences I think I've ever had watching a film because it's just so ridiculous and so over the top. And the editing in particular is shambolic. Okay, so a character is driving and his hat just keeps appearing and disappearing within cuts. Okay, it's crazy. But then with this film, it's not as badly edited. Like, there's not really any major movie mistakes that I can see. It's just not really that memorable and not really having enough of that wow factor. Like, when you're watching a Michael Bay film, you know full well it's going to be ridiculous. But when you're watching a film like this, you're kind of expecting a carbon copy of what you'd expect from a Michael Bay film. But, I mean, good. It doesn't really go for that. It doesn't go for that at all. But it still feels like it is, just subtly. So, I don't really know. I don't really know what's gone on. I don't know how they spent so much money on this when it really doesn't feel like that expensive at all. And... A lot of it just feels cheap, like some of the green screen is dodgy, some of the locations. It has an establishing shot, which probably cost more than the actual shooting on location did, because it all just looks like it was done in a studio, because they're in so many different rooms, you never actually explore much of what's out there in the world. So even though they go to the likes of Bali, or they go to the likes of Rome, they're just in a museum, or they're just on a beach, that's literally it. So... I don't understand, and the house, Jesus Christ, I'll talk about this, but the house that Ryan Reynolds owns in Bali is the most ugliest thing I've ever seen, like, he comes up onto the beach from a boat, walks to his house, and just imagine a beach with, you know, lots of sand about, lots of trees as well, and there's just the ugliest modern designed house you've ever seen, it looks so out of place, like, I'd much prefer him to just have a hut, if he just had a shack on this beach, it would be 10 times better, and I guarantee that would have saved them about $20 million, because it doesn't need to be that kind of house, it looks ugly, it feels ugly, the inside of it looks just as ugly too, and it's only used for about two minutes, so there is literally no need to have a house that looks like that in a film like this on a beach in Bali, there is no need whatsoever, and this scene as well, god, the product placement, okay, this is when I started noticing it, and then I just started zoning out all the times product placement was used, but there's a shot when Ryan Reynolds comes into his house, he pours himself a gin, and I know that bottle any day of the week, he's having his aviation gin, but the thing is, you don't even see the label, it's just the back of the bottles, so I don't know what's happened, but either... They know by now that that is the aviation gin bottle, or they just thought it's half the price if we don't include the label. But don't worry, fear not, because in the very next shot, when the rock is standing where the bottle is, you see a shot from behind him with the label, clear as day, aviation gin, there you go. That's the product placement for you. So, yeah, I like that because I like the gin. I do question why Ryan Reynolds drank it neat, because that is strong. But I liked that, I liked the little nod to that, because every single Ryan Reynolds film has this in there, every single one of them. But fair enough, I don't mind that, I like it. And then there's a scene later on with The Rock ordering a drink, and I'm not sure what The Rock's tequila bottle looks like, but I'm pretty sure that was the drink that he had, so he wanted to get his product placement in there too, because every single actor seems to own something to do with an alcohol company nowadays, which, you know, fair enough, fair enough, it sells. And what better way to promote it than in a $200 million movie? You know, why not? But yeah, this film is, uh, this film is fun. Okay, at the end of the day, it's fun. Is it good? Not really, but it's entertaining. 
It's very strange how the film goes on for an hour and a half, totally normal, just a typical Indiana Jones style adventure film. And then all of a sudden, Nazis. So, <laughs> yeah, there is a huge element towards the end of this film just to do with Nazis. And I don't understand why. <laughs> There is no need. Just have any other situation. Just have any other group of people. Like they can still be bad, but stop with the Nazism. Oh my god, it's crazy. It's just all of a sudden they realise. Hang on, we need to go to Argentina. By the way, my dad had this watch which was owned by Hitler's lead scientist, and it turns out we've got to go place it into this thing that looks like a swastika. It's just crazy, okay? I don't understand why this is a thing, what's happening, why is there so much Nazi stuff at the end of this film? And yeah, they keep saying, oh, these are bad people, we need to burn this stuff and whatnot, but it still feels like there's too much Nazi elements in this film, and I feel like I'm saying it too much anyway but yeah like I said this film is fun there's a few great lines I won't mention all of them because this is a non-spoiler review so I'll save that for people that want to enjoy them straight off the cuff but there's so many digs at people too there's a dig at Vin Diesel which is just hysterical I love that so much and there's a part earlier on when The Rock is wearing a hairnet and Ryan Reynolds said exactly what I was thinking exactly what I was thinking and it was hilarious I laughed so much at that so yeah it's enjoyable it's funny it's not good, but it's just stupid, kind of light-hearted fun until the Nazi stuff comes into it. So up until that point, it's light-hearted fun. I'm not a huge fan of how it ends, which I'll get onto in a spoiler review, but for the most part, it was entertaining. Like, I did struggle at times, but the one thing that kept me going was the cast. So fair enough, they're all pretty great. There's a few characters that are just terrible, like the Spanish guy that speaks with a British accent but it's like really deep and just strange and I don't even know what was going on there but yeah that was interesting but the film is yeah the film is fine I don't want to say it's fine though because this is the biggest movie they've ever done this is 200 million dollars worth of movie I don't want to say it's just fine I wanted to say it's thoroughly entertaining and it's fantastic but it's just fine and then just two more things, and I'll wrap this up. And one of them is The Great British Bake Off features on the TV. Gal Gadot is watching it, and I loved that. It was so out of place, it was so stupid, but who doesn't want to see a cake version of Freddie Mercury from last year's Bake Off? Because I knew exactly when that was. That was a hilarious episode, that was a hilarious reference in this film. I don't know why we needed to see Gal Gadot watching Paul Hollywood and Noel Fielding on the Bake Off, but anyway... That's just something fun that only probably British people are going to get and like. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's global now. So, yeah, if you're not in the UK, do you watch Bake Off? Do you enjoy Bake Off? Did you like this reference? <laughs> I don't know. And then the final thing, you know how every single film that The Rock does, there's one line that just sticks out as being so, so bad, but fantastic. And it just makes your brain melt. So in Hobbs and Shaw, he says... Do you want to tell me what in the fresh turkey hell we're dealing with here? That's a terrible line, but god damn it, I love it. Now, this film has one, which is one of his best to date, and he says, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Nazi Guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> this has been Red Notice. <laughs> I've been Kieran, and I shall speak to you 
in the next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. <laughs>